It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yes, it's Christmas football time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brunton Bugle. I'm Lee Rooney. I'm Dan McLennan. And I'm Mike Booth. It's a triple head of Xmas football special here as we look ahead to the festive clashes Rochdale, Salford, and Scunthorpe, as well as looking back on 2021. And like any Christmas party, we might throw in a few I wasn't quite sure on that intro because having to put both of your names in is something we've only done once or twice, I think, this well, season. I'm, I'm, I'm just nipping off to get the wine and cheese. So. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Let's get it all out. Put our suits on as well, ready for the uh, the party, but there you go. Um how are you both doing? I was a bit disappointed last weekend, wasn't it? Especially for you, Mike, because it was one of your weekends off and the yeah, game was called off, wasn't it? And I threw the money down the swanny getting a non-refundable train ticket. Oh, but it's the worst thing, isn't it? Just the yeah. worst thing with that, yeah. And, and like up until about three days before it, there wasn't even a sort of murmur of it mm. being off. And then sort of one by one, different teams were calling games off. And yeah, sadly, ours was, was one of them. I just think it was very convenient, and that's all I'm going to say. Ooh, well, Bradford had a few that. injuries, didn't they? Oh, mm. did they? Oh, well, that's a coincidence. Yeah, funny that one, funny that one. Mm. Yeah, I just went for a nice little no walk. Strike, in... No strikers, wasn't it? Mm. No, something along those lines, yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah. Mm. Well, I went for a nice little walk in the Lake District instead, because I was actually up for the weekend, so that was a... Nice little change from the misery of Brunton Park for <laughs> for once, but um, but there you go. I mean, we might as well move on to the. We haven't really got any news items this week because what we're doing this week, we haven't got a batch to review, so we're going to review all three of the Christmas games or, or preview, sorry, all three of the Christmas games against. Well, uh, I I want I've, I've obviously looked through the running order, dead organised and that today. Yeah. And there's one thing I'd like to move to the news, and that's just. Uh, the Liam McCarran making his debut for Leeds. Yeah, go on then. Let's on, on the basis that uh, it will likely mean some sort of monetary to ourselves, you would imagine. Well, the rumour going around is 50 grand, isn't it? That we yeah, have yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's not a massive amount, but it's certainly pay for no. one very good player for the rest of the season and maybe two half-decent ones, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's the kind of thing we need, really, to keep us all in the league. So it's a, it's a nice little unexpected bonus, isn't it? Because we've all been talking about the Dean Henderson money. And, you know, potentially any money from Jared doing extra things, more on him later on. Um, the, but, the Milt Trayman yeah. did allude the last time that he spoke, which was probably about eight years ago now. <laughs> he alluded that we argue money, like seemingly a significant amount, but he didn't specify if he has to start or if coming off the bench will give us a windfall. I think... But, Generally, with someone like that, you'd you'd make sure coming off the bench was included because you you know every chance as a young player is probably going to be coming off the bench and playing games. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's good good news. He wake well done to the lad. You know, he's had a bit of a bit of a wait, hasn't he? Really, no loan spells or anything, but he, he's, he's certainly yeah. done better than uh, Josh Galloway. Seems to be getting on at Leeds. Yeah, well, it seems like he's on his way out before the end of the season, yeah, yeah. and Barrow have even turned him down, so there you go. Um, but yeah, that, that's a good one to bring forward. They've done so well done to Liam. Made his debut against Arsenal in the 4-1 defeat, um, but only came on as a late sub. I think they scored one goal after that. Yeah, it was, it was game over already. I mean, Leeds are completely crippled by injuries right now, aren't they, really? They're sort of 
hobbling through because Bielsa likes to likes to work with a very small squad and it's sort of coming home to roost a little bit for them at the moment, isn't it? Um, well, let, let's touch on the other thing but in regards to news, lads. Um, you wanted to sort of bring this one in, Dad. It's, it's more like just looking at the sort of COVID concerns with football, especially in League 2 itself. It's really what you were thinking, wasn't it? I mean, the EFL have announced this week, basically, that there's going to be no change over Christmas. We're going to carry on as normal. There's going to be no fixtures dropped. And I think this is probably the right decision, Dan, because when you look at it, treat it on a game-by-game basis, have a set criteria for how what you know what constitutes being able to call a game off, how many players are out with COVID, that kind of thing, and just treat it like it was a bad winter in terms of weather. That's the best way to handle yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Scotland are arguing at the moment, you know, I mean, there's teams up there wanting to bring forward the winter break and then they're worrying there's not enough spare midweeks. Uh, Wales, uh, of all the Welsh leagues, have actually just went on postponement now. Uh, yeah. Just being announced there, there for like doing two and a half weeks, no football at all. But, you know, I mean, yes, there will be genuine cases of teams, squads with an outbreak and they won't have enough players. Fair enough. You know, they're entitled to postpone a game. Mm. Well, but the, just, the... just sort of blank knocking them all off. No, mm. you know. Yeah, well, the Premier League have put forward a rule where I think if you've got 13 outfield players plus a keeper, you have to play, even if they're like under-21 players. Um, And it's good to have a number on that, but I disagree with having the caveat for keepers because, frankly, I'd like to see just outfield players going in goal uh, or or, or goalkeepers going outfield even, do you know what I mean? I think that would just be fantastic. 100% want to see that more often. But no, I mean... You've got got to remember as well, speaking of the Premier League teams, they've all got squads of like 87 players. Yeah, exactly. Well, you you don't carry pile these players, use them. Man United had a lot of players in their 80s and their 70s in terms of squad numbers in that game in the Champions League against young boys, didn't they? Yeah, then at the, come the weekend, they, they couldn't play the, the league well, game. Did but, you see Chelsea yeah. the, the other day, I think it was? They were asking for their game to be called off because they apparently had really bad COVID and everyone was waiting to see the lineup, And it was like, full strength. <laughs> Maybe it's one of these rules that you know players should be allowed to loan someone from Chelsea uh, when they've got issues with COVID because they seem to well, have there is a theory the world's that, biggest squad, don't they? <laughs> there is a theory that everyone on the planet is actually on loan from Chelsea, um, <laughs> yeah. and you don't actually like you might not actually be aware of it, but yeah, we're all on loan from Chelsea right now. Yeah, top top level Illuminati stuff that there, mm. Mike, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think for, for the EFL. At the moment, like you said, I think you just treat it like you're having a bad winter in terms of fixtures, basically. There's, there's still plenty of room for midweeks before the end of the season. The the mm. other angle to this is the crowd side of it, mm. because it's one thing having the games on or off. The other is, are we going to see any behind closed doors? And yeah. I, I, re- I really hope we don't, you know. I mean, yeah. we're not here to argue pro or anti-vaccine, it's personal choice for different people you know but if people are comfortable going to matches let them go mm. Mm. but they're doing it in scotland and wales so the whole behind closed doors thing and it sort of begs the question if newport are playing behind closed doors they're going to be losing out an in income and do the league have to come up with something like some kind mm. of compensation for them i, I know the, i know fun, 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 this is. Fun, funnily <laughs> enough uh it was on sky sports news earlier the Welsh government have got a package for clubs affected. Okay, it's not not a massive amount. I think it was like, it, it is. It's, I think it was three million pounds. But you know, when oh. you think Cardiff and Swansea will probably take a lion's share of that. Mm. Yeah. 
But uh, I mean, your opinion, Danny, is that she just joined the Welsh League, isn't it? So. Well, yeah, it could be in the League of Wales. <laughs> send him back. Send him back to the yeah. Welsh League. Um, but yes, I think that pretty much covers it. It doesn't really, in terms of those things. I mean, we've been quite lucky so far. We've only had that one game called off against Bradford, and it wasn't our squad that was affected. And fingers crossed, it looks good for the Rochdale game because I was going to say both Rochdale yeah. and Salford played at the weekend, didn't they? Yeah, and I think Scunthorpe did as well, actually, didn't they? So well, that Bradford game could potentially, if there's any sense, go ahead on FA Cup third round weekend. Mm. Because that would be the obvious date, wouldn't it? I'm surprised it? Yeah. they haven't done that yet, but I wonder if they're maybe waiting to see if there is any issues yeah. in terms of behind closed mm. doors, and if that's the case, they might say, well, let's hold it off a little bit so we can actually mm. get fans in for the game. Yeah. But interesting. Uh, sorry, go on, Mike. Well, well I was just going to say as well, I do ponder if we're going to uh, maybe get a few fans from north of the border who just want a live football fix, if... They can't watch it in Scotland. Weird, if we, get, that, if we yeah. might finally exceed the nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine after all. Mm, yeah, I mean, interestingly, I was going to say that it doesn't affect us, but they've they've announced, haven't they, that there's going to be no replays in the third and fourth rounds of the FA Cup now. Which mm. I'm not a fan of them doing that because it's you know doing that last minute, you know, when the competition's already started. Mm. I've won for sure. years. Once they go, they'll go permanently. Mm. The doomsayer of football's back. Yep. Yeah, the big is. the big clubs don't want them. The league couple go eventually. You mark my words. <laughs> oh, all doom and gloom over there, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, there you go. Right. Well, let's get into the uh, the previews then, lads. Um, so uh, first up, um, we've got. In fact, before we actually start, that, I should probably mention our sponsor, shouldn't I? Really. Um, of course, this season, the second half of the show. Well, I was going to say it's not really the second half. No, it's of the not. Show it's really now. <laughs> I'm reading the script here, perfectly. Yeah. So this season, one of our sponsors is, of course, the Cal uh, United Sports Club London Branch. The London Branch is open to all Cal United fans. They got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore, and of course, every part of. London and the South East. Uh, they regularly meet up on away trips uh, as well as arranging many social events and sports games and also doing a lot of fundraising for the club. Uh, they'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of their preview section this season too. You can find out more about the London Bunch at the their website, callondonbunch.org. Uh, I was a bit struggling with that because I'm trying to dig out an email here, Dan, because you set a challenge to the London Bunch, didn't you? Yeah. How many boroughs do they have How members? How many boroughs do they have members in? Well... Funny enough, David Brown, chairman of the London branch, who's obviously a listener, he says, uh, I gather that you and Dan have recently asked the Brunton Bugle podcast for the London branch to say how many boroughs in London we have members in. The answer is 21 boroughs out of the 32. Not a, ba- not a bad effort, that. It's not bad, and he just say that with some obvious ones like Westminster, Kensington and Chelsea and Suffolk, Southwark uh, are not covered in that, basically, not surprisingly, yeah. really. Um, interestingly, there are some quirks too, such as the guy living in Harrow, whose postcode is in the borough of Brent, along with other members, rather than the borough of Harrow. Yeah, well, I, 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 I used to live in Harrow myself, so mm. yeah, Harrow is HA normally, but there are parts of it that do via to Brent, so yeah. yeah. Some lovely postcode chat there for everybody. Um, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, well, first up in this section, obviously, we're going to cover the Rochdale game first, but probably going to cover the Rochdale game in a bit more depth than the others, I think, because that's the first one coming up. So we're going to do the, the classic match and the play for both bits on, on those on that team, basically, because we've covered the other two. And then second half of the season, we've got some ideas, haven't we, Dan, for how we're going to mix it up a little bit instead of doing yeah, yeah. classic matches. So 
quite a few Basically, we'll, we'll find some shit to chat about. Exactly, exactly that. <laughs> it won't be hard, will it? Um, so yeah, uh, we've got the catching up with the opposition section, and uh, as it would be difficult to fit all three in, we've decided to focus on just one club for the opposition view section. And uh, we spoke to Dean from the Rochdale AFD, AFC.com podcast, and we covered a wide range of topics, including how they're coping with life back in League 2 after seven seasons away, the start new gaffer Robbie Stockdale has made at Scotland, a bit of background on the fallout of this summer's failed hostile takeover attempt at the club, and uh, some of his views on the ex-Dale players in the United squad. So here's the chat I had with Dean earlier this week. Dean, it must be quite weird as a Rochdale fan coming back down into League 2 after seven seasons in League 1, which I think is your longest longest ever run in that level, I think, third tier possibly. Yeah. Um how have you found life back in the basement division so far? Um, the, the the drop in quality is very obvious, <laughs> yeah. which I didn't think it was going to be, to be fair, until last season when we were all kind of stuck at home. I ended up watching a few more League 2 games and I, I realised that, yeah, we were dropping into a league that, that w- there was quite a big gap between. Um, I think when you look at teams at the bottom of this league... and. Um, Weirdly, we're actually struggling against teams towards the bottom, but I think when you look at the quality of, of teams like Oldham and Scunthorpe when we've played them compared to some of the better teams last season, it feels like a different world, to be honest. Yeah. But on the other hand, it is, it's been nice to kind of play a few teams that we haven't played for a while, like yourselves, because <laughs> um, that, that, they're kind of like... Carlisle was always one of those games we seem to play every year back in the day, and it's, you're going back to those grounds that you've not, not played up for a while, and even ones that I've never been to, you know, like Sutton and Harrogate and, and other ones like that, so... It's, uh, it's not the end of the world. I think most Dale fans are pretty level-headed and kind of ex- expect us to be here, if anything. So, yeah, I think it, we've dealt with it better than most clubs would. Yeah, but to be honest here, when, when we, we did our pre-season predictions, we thought you guys might actually struggle a little bit this season, mostly because your summer recruitment was was quite sparse when coming up to the opening day of the season. So um, are you surprised you've managed to keep yourselves fairly safe away from danger so far? I personally am. I think there was a few Dale fans that were maybe expecting a little bit more given, you know, like you yeah. say, we've been in League One for a few years. Um, but yeah, looking at the players that we lost, Ollie Rathbone and Matt Lund was kind of yeah. the spine in midfield. They both left. Stephen Humphreys was our, our main goal threat when he was fit in attack. So I, my expectations were low. There was a lot of stuff happened off the field in the summer as well, which kind of fed into that as well. So I'm quite happy with how things are going at the minute, I think. Robbie Stockdale's doing a decent job. I think there are things that he needs to iron out and that part of that is because his recruitment, the window that he had to sign players was so yeah. short because because of everything that was happening in the summer. So, um, yeah, I think for me, is there's a feeling that this squad could be doing better than it is doing, but there's a lot of uh, leeway given to Stockdale and the players given everything else that's happened. Yes, how's Stockdale getting on so far? Because I think he's actually someone who was interviewed for the Carlisle job a couple of times in the recent past but didn't get it. It's his first full-time management job, isn't it? I think he's had quite a few caretaker spells at Sunland and maybe Grimsby possibly it was, I think, I seem to remember. How's How's he got on so far? Yeah, I, I'm a fan so far. I think after after Brian Barry Murphy, who we had for the last couple of seasons, who was very... Um, it became, it became quite dour, if I'm honest with you. The playing style was yeah. was attractive at times, but it was difficult as fans watching a team that that looked like dead set for relegation, but we were being told, oh, the lads are in great form and they're, they're giving it everything, and it, it just didn't look like that. So I think Stockdale's personality has, has led to a lot of fans taking to him quite quickly because he's a lot more honest. Um, he... The, the problem then is that when you're losing a few games and losing to teams towards the bottom of the table like we have done, that honesty, it, it, it's like, well, 
prove it. If, if you don't think we're doing well enough on the pitch, we need to see changes. But when things are working, we look like a really good team. Um, we're playing kind of the three at the back most games, well, pretty much every game since the first couple. Um, and maybe he's been a little bit stubborn with that at times, but I think part of that is because we just don't have the personnel to go with like a three-man midfield. We don't really have like a defensive yeah. midfield destroyer sort of role. So, um, yeah, I, overall, I'm quite happy with how things are going and he's only had one short window, like, like I say. So I think, given him time, I can see that it, I can see it turning out to be a really good appointment, to be honest. You briefly touched on it just before, but let's get a bit more into the off-the-field issues at Rochdale. Because I, I think down the years, I think Rochdale have been a side that a lot of low-league football fans look to as a, a shiny example of a, a well-run club on a, on a tight budget. But the last couple of years, it all appears to have gone wrong. And this year, we, there was a hot hostile takeover saga, wasn't there, which was only just defeated recently. Can you explain to some of our listeners what that was all about is I don't think it's actually got as much coverage as you know issues at other clubs like maybe for instance Oldham or Bury obviously in the same area as you have got in recent years what what was that all about yeah I think the difference the main difference is that this was an attempt to be taken over that the fans kind Mm of were wise to from the off rather than you know trying to get a man out of a club who's already there it was trying to stop them from getting in um, I'll explain it as kind of as briefly as I can because obviously it's been a, a real saga. Yeah. But uh, basically, the the two of the previous directors, including the CEO um, David Bottomley, uh, were, were voted off the board at, at, um, at AGM um, towards the end of last season. Uh, then from there, it seems that they've kind of tried to sell their shares and sell anyone shares who would be willing to take a few quid for them. Um, the 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 people who were buying them up. Uh, we're part of a company called Morton House. Um, the more that we kind of read into them and and found out about them, the more certain we were that these were not the kind of people yeah. we wanted taking over our club. I think the fact that they were they had the money to do it, but there was very little of a digital footprint for either of them, kind of says a lot more than than needs yeah. to be said. Yeah. You know, it's a real red flag. And and from there, you know, more digging was done, and more and more came out. And there's a there's a thread on our forum actually. Um, on the RochdaleFC.com forum called The Hostile Takeover Fred, which kind of goes through all that digging and the amazing work that, that the fans did over the summer to kind of um, get as much information as possible out there about it. Uh, thankfully, they only managed to get to 42%. Um, from there, uh, the Trust have done some incredible work in managing to to um, to buy up shares themselves, to, to convince other shareholders not to sell up. And from there, the club have, have issued a, sh- a share issue of their own um, which was had a brilliant take up and completely diluted um, the, the the shareholding that they have. So they spent well over the odds on a lot of shares that are now worth very little to them, which is lovely to hear. Um, but yeah, there's a there's there's a, there's a lot more to it than that. Um, you know, yeah. people like Matt Southall names were mentioned, which is obviously a massive red flag as well to any mm-hmm. any lower league fan, fan yeah. who knows what happened at Charlton. So yeah, a real a real saga. But I think we're at the stage now where we can finally sigh a bit of a a bit of relief. Oh, that's, that's really good to hear, to be fair, because yeah. we, we've all seen what's happened with, you know, Berry and Oldham and all kinds of clubs around there. I mean, even Bolton, I suppose, you can look at as well in, in recent times. And I suppose you could even go as far as saying Wigan. It just seems like yeah. sort of great in Manchester area. You know, you've got your, your clubs like your sulfur's up and coming, but a lot of those clubs are, are finding it hard, aren't they? It's, it's tough times, yeah. really, for them. Um, but, I mean, like I said, you're a well-run club, and I think Spotland's one of those grounds that everyone looks at as well and says, you know, there's example of what you can do with a, a small ground as well and getting up to shape. Uh, 
and that kind of thing. Uh, let's talk about uh, your current squad then. Um, who would you say are the danger men in your squad? Well, it, it seems to change every other week, if I'm honest with you. Uh, at the moment, I would say Corey O'Keefe uh, would be one player to watch out for. I think he has the most goal involvements of any defender or something like that in League 2. Um, he's, he's playing as a right wing-back. We've only got him alone from Mansfield, but I think every single Dale fan is hoping that, that a contract for him is waiting in January as a Christmas present because he's been he's been absolutely quality so far. Uh, Jake Beasley's been getting the goals. He, he comes in for criticism because he does miss quite a lot of chances, but um, we create a lot of chances, so... Mm-hmm. If he's scoring, even if he's not scoring all of them, we're still going to be managing to get a few goals. And he got two against Newport on Saturday. He got two in the previous game against Bristol Rovers as well. So he's hitting a, a bit of a uh, a hot streak in front of goal at the moment. And then there's a few players that are kind of like on the day can be can be really quality players like Connor Grant and, and Alex Newby. Maybe not the most consistent players, but can be match winners on the day. So I think we're an exciting team to watch, to be honest, um, mm-hmm. which is something that I couldn't really say over the last few seasons. So even if we're not getting you know the, the best results in the world, I think it's definitely more entertaining, especially at home, than it has been over the last few seasons. Yeah, there's always been quite a few good links between the, the two clubs in terms of ex-players playing for either side, hasn't they, in, in recent years? Obviously, one of the obvious ones being Glenn Murray, obviously, yeah. featured for you guys. Did, did a lot more for you guys because he was still up, you know, a young lad when he was with us. But um, these days, there's not as many. I mean, look at your squad. There isn't a single ex-Carlisle player in there, which surprised me. I thought there might have been one. But in the Carlisle squad, there's three. And I uh, just wanted to get some of your memories on some of these players. I'm, I suspect they're not going to be particularly... Uh, <laughs> Startling memories, necessarily. Lots of goalkeeper Magnus Norman had a loan spell with you guys from Fulham. Zach Clough had a loan spell with you from Forest, and I think Lewis Alessandro was with you permanently for a couple of years, possibly as well. Yeah, um, I mean Magnus Norman had one of the worst loan spells I've ever seen from a, from a Dale player. I remember um, in his the last game of his his original spell we got battered I think it was 5-0 at Doncaster and he was at fault for a few of the goals and then um, the, the the day after the club tweeted we were delighted to announce that Magnus Norman has extended his loan and every day off I'm like who's delighted who is delighted about that because he's awful so I'll be glad to see him if he's going to be in goal on Saturday he probably won't be in goal to be fair we've signed Mark Howard um, yeah. who used to be I think like a, he started at Arsenal he's been at a few, quite a few clubs Blackpool Salford a few of us like that so and Scunthorpe last season so he's He's an experienced head in there. We got him in when uh, Norman picked up an injury, actually. So uh, you probably won't. He'll be on the bench at the very least. So well, I don't yeah. think he'll be getting too much of a reception from the Dale, from the Dale travelling support. Anyway, yeah. um, I think Zach Clough was. I think we were just speaking about it before he came on air there. But yeah. yeah, very similar kind of experience between what he's been like at, at Carlisle and what he was like with with us. Um, you can see this talent there, and, and we were really excited when we signed him because we'd seen what he could do at Bolton. But mm. just yeah, just no consistency. Just just didn't look interested to be honest. Yeah. And a lot of injuries, a lot of a lot of time out of the out of the team. And yeah, it never really worked out. And then and then with Luis Alessandro, I actually know quite well because he was a couple mm. of years above me at school. Um, it, it was a shame because he, he obviously a local lad. Um, it came back to, to to Dale. He started at Oldham and went to Plymouth, and then came back to kind of came back home and signed for Rochdale. Yeah. But it just never quite worked out, and he missed. I remember him missing a few really big chances in in his early games, and it didn't quite. Uh, he never quite recovered. But you could see the work rate was always there with him, um, but it just it didn't quite fit into the way Hill wanted to play at the time. Yeah, he's one of those players, Lewis, isn't he? When you watch him play for other clubs against you, you think, oh, I wouldn't mind him in our squad, actually, because he's yeah. got that bit of ability in the ball. He can hold it up. He, he's never going to score you millions of goals, is he? Well, we've always said this, but last season when we were flying, 
he was a big part of it because he was the one linking everything together. He was the one being the the, the player that players played off a little bit. Yeah. But this season, he hasn't been quite as good. Probably because he hasn't got as good of players around him <laughs> as much as anything. But but he's he's a good lad, and I think it, unfortunately he's probably not going to play in this game either because he's had a long term foot injury so for quite a while now. But it was a real shame that. Um, I won't take up any more of your time then, Dean. Um, just one last thing before we finish. Uh, have you got a prediction for the game? We always like to ask the opposition pods if they're going to predict what the score will be. <laughs> well, I know you have hit a bit of form recently, but I think after that 3-0 win over Newport, everyone will be going, heading north in, in high spirits. So yeah. I'm going to go for a narrow 2-1 Dale win. Well, there you go. I'd, I'd, I'd take a point now, I think, from that game, but that's fair enough. Cheers, Dean. Nice so time. Cheers, Lee. Thanks very much. Bye. Thanks once again to Dean for giving up his time to speak to us about all things Rochdale. It's uh, really interesting, especially that stuff about the takeover and the way their supporters trust came in and saved the day, basically. there Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice to see that happen, wouldn't it? Mm. Some clubs, so there you go. Well, Think, I mean, things they, can fly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll I mean, s- save the day and trust, you know, doesn't yeah. really fit with us <laughs> at very, the minute. Very, but. Yeah, very good, very good, Mike, very good. Uh, well, let's go to the, uh, the history section now. We're going to go to a, a classic clash. And uh, obviously, Dan sort of mentioned last week that I didn't really pick a classic clash. It was more a sort of, um, I don't know how you describe it, a notable nightmare. I think it was fair to say the uh, 4 nil defeat of Bradford. But this week, I've gone for a win, a very strong win. We're going back what a to, win, what a back, win. Back to early 1995, reminiscing about a result that put United on the verge of their first ever visit to the home of football, Wembley Stadium. Yes, back when the Football League trophy was something worth getting excited about. The Blues face Rochdale in the Northern Area Final first leg of the Auto Windscreen Shield. What a mouthful that was to say back in the day. You didn't miss it being called that there, don't you? Uh, Brunton Park, that game was, of course. Uh, in conditions that I think it's fair to say, Dan, you'd expect on a North Atlantic trawler trip, the game was played, wasn't it? It was yeah. absolutely... I remember going to this because I would have been 10 at the time. And I'm sure I went with my uncle and my uh, and my dad. And it was just absolutely bucketing it down before kickoff. I think it eased up a little bit once the game kicked off. But there's there's great footage on YouTube that we'll we'll try and stick up on Twitter where they show it before the game and the Rochdale fans in the waterworks then desperately trying to find the tiniest bit of cover <laughs> yeah. to stand underneath, aren't they? Exposed to the elements. But um but yeah, um the Blues set about making sure they had a big lead to take into the second leg at Spotland and they uh, took the lead actually uh, as David Curry hit a looping shot from 35 yards that sailed over the keeper's head and into the net at the waterworks end. Big question here, Dan, and I don't know if Mike, you've had a chance to watch this one yet. Did he mean it? Of course he did. It's David Curry. See, that's the first <laughs> thing I thought, yes. But at the same time when you watch it, it's not a driven shot, is it? it, it it's kind of like your first feeling is he looks like he's crossing it in there. But it's hit in such a way that he must have meant it, surely. He's got to have. I think he did. Yeah. But it's a strange, it is a strange shot, isn't it? For a 35-yarder, it, it, it doesn't fly like a rocket into the top corner. It sort of just loops right over the keeper. It's an incredible effort. It was actually very goal of the season, at the end of that season, funny enough. Um, Rod Thomas then put United in control before half-time with a quick brace. His first was sort of a... It's kind of like a slide tackle, isn't it? It's like a poke mm. shot that he sort of... Puts past the keeper after yeah, Rochelle failed to deal with a long free kick from Darren Edmondson. And he then made it 3 in spectacular fashion. I mean, I think this goal's equally as good as Curry's. Yeah, it was a great goal, this one. Brilliant goal. He sort of picks it up 35 yards out, does a lovely little sort of old-fashioned step over almost, isn't it? And skips past one player, gets to the edge of the box, and he absolutely hammers it past the keeper. Gives him no chance. Uh, Rochelle got a route back into the game when... Uh, 
Rob Peters brought down an attacker just inside the box and uh, Steve Whitehall stepped up to convert from the spot, but the free goal deficit was restored when David Reeves picked up the ball on the left and sent a low cross, which Paul Conway did well to slide in and volley past the keeper at the near post. Um, probably fair to say we made hard work of it in the second leg, didn't we, Dan? Yes. <laughs> Going two goals down was a yeah. sort of moment of, here we go, this is typical Carl United, isn't it? But then Derek Mountfield yeah. bundled the ball home from a few yards out. And in the older uh, sort of rickety sort of sheds that were Spotland back then, the fans went mental, didn't they? The, and ended the, up on the, the, old, at the, end. the old terrace at the away end had the most bizarre fence because mm. most fences are probably, what, waist high, roughly. Mm-hmm. But Rochdale's was about seven or eight foot like what you used to get um just with bars wasn't it yeah Yeah, it was but there was no concrete wall at the bottom of it it was just bars and it was it was literally was a caged in a way and but isn't it one of the weirdest grounds as well back then where you could actually have a piss and still watch the game yeah if you went to the toilet in the corner you could obviously do your business into the open channel and if you looked like up on your toes you could watch the match while you did it (laughs) brilliant that wasn't it Absolutely superb, but yeah, obviously that uh, that goal was enough to to keep Rochdale at bay and send United to Wembley for the first time. I mean, it's, one, it's one of those games a lot of fans look back at, isn't it? And just shows how dominant we were back then, wasn't it? It was a incredible game. Well, let's go on then, Dan, to the uh, play for both section again. We're only going to cover Rochdale for this game. Um, take it away. Let's, 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 let's be honest, Salford list wasn't massive. It wasn't, and we did it earlier this season. We picked one up yeah, there, didn't we? So, yeah. and, and Scunforth again was saying we did it earlier this season. So let's have your Rochdale player then done. Uh, well, I'm picking a player who's he's only 32, uh, was born in Bath, and actually started his career as an academy player at Manchester United. But he was released for being too small. He actually played alongside uh, James Chester, who was on loan here. Uh, he was determined to become a footballer, this lad, after, it's fair to say, a bit of a hard upbringing. And uh, he went on trials with Blackburn and Liverpool, and one day his teacher told him to go down to Rochdale. Well, the player I'm talking about is Joe Thompson. And he was, initially, apparently, he was reluctant, uh, because he thought it was better than that. But then he thought, no, no, it's a way into the game. And uh, he ended up, you know, at Rochdale for six years, uh, about 100, over 150 appearances, a few goals. Yes. He then went to Tranmere for a couple of years, another loan at Rochdale. He was at Berry for a year, but uh, obviously he uh, had his first bout of illness, etc. And he came to us, and he didn't play a lot of games for us. I think he only played about... 15, 20 games, but he was a very likeable bloke, wasn't mm. he? I and think he'd he, he almost come basically as. It's one of those sort of things, Carl did not you were his biggest fan, Dan, but it's one of those things he sort of said to him, come to us and let, let's get you recovered and try and get you back up to where you were before you were ill. Because he was a he player had a bit of quality about him back then, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, but I think no, he's uh, retired now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah mm. he, uh, he went back to Rochdale, uh, did three years, and he's. he's Cancer came back, didn't it, from memory? Mm. Yeah. But uh, as you know, he's he, he had a testimonial. He does a lot of work as a motivational speaker now, and mm. he's. He, I know he's been doing a lot of studying and all whatnot. And uh, 
Does he do bits for MUTV as well? I think I seem to remember. Oh yeah, he, he does. He does well. quite a few bits. Yeah, and uh, he, he scored a goal on the last day to keep Rochdale up a couple of years ago. I think, as yeah, well. that mm-hmm. was that was after he recovered from cancer for the yeah. second time as well. Which yeah, was quite incredible. yeah. Interesting fact. You know which game he made his debut in? For Rochdale. Was it against us? It was against us that game, and we won two 0 to effectively win the oh. third division title. Oh yeah, he, yeah. he was only sixteen back then, so uh, yeah. yeah, made his debut in that game. That was interesting fact yeah, for you. Good. Yeah. But yeah, no, uh, you know he's, he's he's a player. Obviously, fondly remember remembered. Christ, I'm making it sound like he's no longer with us. <laughs> Apologies <laughs> if I did that, but you know, you know what I mean. He's um, you know Rochdale fans love him, and I think it's fair to. Uh, Carlisle fans have, uh, you know, think of him fondly. And, uh, yeah, Joe Thompson played for both. He's got a book out as well. And you just talk a bit about his time at Carlisle in that book. So it's well worth getting, actually. Well worth a read. Um, well, let's cover the full list, because I think this is the longest list we've had so far. I think it's a little bit longer than the the Bradford list was. So, here we go. Uh, yeah, it's a big one, this. I'll skip through a few of them, because we've covered them before. So, Nicky Adams is an obvious one. He's played for pretty much every club in, in North of Manchester now. I think Salford's the only one left, really, isn't it, for him to play, probably. Um, Lewis Alessandra, he had a, a spell there as well. Um, John Allen, not Johnny Allen. John Allen played for us in the very, very early days of Carl United. Uh, Lee Andrews had a loan spell there. I always forget about that. It was around about the time I think Roddy was basically trying to force him out, wasn't he? Um, Jack Ashurst, there's a, there's a blast from the plus, isn't there? Um, Proper player. Yeah, Tommy Barkis. I think we've mentioned him a couple of times recently, actually. Um, Chris Beach obviously didn't play for United, but he's managed us, but he did play for, for Rochdale at the end of his career. Um, Reese Bennett played under Beach as a coach at Rochdale. Um, Ian Bishop. Did he go to Rochdale towards the end of his career? He did, didn't he? Yes. Sure it was about yeah, 2003, yeah. wasn't it? I'm sure he played against us. Yeah, he only played a handful of games. So I'm, I nearly picked him, actually. Mm. Uh, Reese Brown, obviously brother of Wes. He had a loan spell there as well. Um, Stephen Carney, I think he's from the very early days of Cal United as well, possibly. Zach Clough had a loan spell at Rochdale. Craig Curran, he spent a bit of time at Spotland. Gary Dicker, uh, Wayne Dowell. Ashley Easton, you know, someone who <laughs> always chips in with the odd goal here and there, doesn't he, for Salford these days. We'll touch on him again later. Uh, Nathan Eccleston, Scott Endersby. Did we cover Scott Endersby for another one early this season? I'm sure yes, did, we did. We did, yeah. Um, Kelvin yeah. Atuhu, Andy Flounders, Tony Gallimore finished his career there. Mark Gavin. Mark Gavin, a name you remember, Dan. I can't remember if he's from the early days. Yes, he was, he was just as I started watching, I'm sure... He was possibly a winger. He was a winger, yes, he was, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, but he, he didn't play that many games. He maybe only had a year with us, but... Mm. I think he maybe yes, came from Leeds or somewhere like that, possibly. I seem to remember. Um, yeah, Mark Gavin, Simon Grant started his career there. Simon Hackney had a spell there towards the end of his career. Philip Hadland, uh, John Halpin went there after United. Jimmy Hamilton. Billy Hampson played for Rochdale, but was one of United's first managers. Um, Bastian Herry. Uh, Peter Hampton, Callum Higginbotham, Mickey Holmes, James Hooper, one of the one-game wonders, <laughs> <laughs> who occasionally pops up in the uh, X-Files, doesn't he, Dan? Um, Les yeah. Horton, Wally Hunt, Alex Jones. I think Alex Jones was in early 90s centre-back for us, possibly, I seem to remember. Yeah, uh, John, when we had sort of Jones, Miller, mm. Kirkpatrick. Uh, Fitzpatrick, sorry. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Jason Kennedy, obviously popular at both clubs, I think it's fair to say. Danny Livesey, Gary Medina had a loan spell there from United. Um, Sean McGinty, um, Glenn Murray, Magnus Norman, uh, John O'Sullivan had a loan spell there, I didn't realise that. Adam Rundle, 
Um, where we are here? Damon Searle, Paul Simpson, Jeff Smith, Sean Smith. God, there's a name that brings back terrible memories. <laughs> He, he was he was dreadful for us, wasn't he? <laughs> There's hope for everyone. Exactly. The, the bad thing is he played 400 odd games for Crew, so he can't have been a bad footballer. Yeah. He was just a bad yeah, footballer yeah. for us. Um, so yeah, there you go, yeah. uh, Michael Taylor, Joe Thompson, as you've covered already. Peter Valentine, another blast from the past. Uh, Dean Walling, Bill Watson, Winston White, Jimmy Whitehouse, and Paul Williams. I don't think Paul Williams actually played a game for us. I think he signed for us, but never actually played for us. But there you go. Well, let's go on to Rochelle current day then, guys. Um, so, yeah, uh, first, referee Mark Edwards for this game. Uh, it's his third season as an EFL referee. He's taken charge of 14 games this season so far, heading out 47 bookings and one red card. Uh, last took charge of United for the 0-0 draw with Walsall. And what can you remember about that game, guys? The full-time whistle. Nothing, because it was literally <laughs> the most uneventful game of football you'll ever watch in your life. <laughs> it, was, it, it wasn't even a training ground return to fitness-friendly it, it level. Was, it, was it was so that bad. It was awful, and it, and it frustrated me so much, and it still annoys me now, that he just basically put out his stronger side. Instead of throwing a couple of young kids in or having a you know, look at some players, there was absolutely no need, because it made no difference to where we finished in the table, literally. We couldn't finish any higher, we couldn't finish any lower. Ridiculous, but there you go. Um, so, yep. Uh, in terms of head-to-head, we played them 106, 106 times in our history. I think only Hartlepool we've maybe played more times, I would reckon. The one, the one of the uh, the top teams. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And we've won 44 of those, drawn 22, and Rochelle have won 40. Um, I think it's fair to say that they're a club that for many years, lads, were synonymous with the fourth tier, weren't they? Yeah. They were basically, if you wasn't saying yeah, yeah. Who, who's a lower league football club, and you know you want to make a joke about on TV something, you'd mention Rochdale, wouldn't you? Every time, yeah, hmm. because they had the longest run without promotion until 2010, when they ended a 36 year run in the bottom division by finishing third to go up automatically to League One. Um, they only stayed there for two seasons, then they returned to League Two. Again, was it just a shot? The only two seasons were back down, and then they were promoted again, once again finishing third, and they spent seven seasons before their relegation last summer. But the big story for Rochdale in recent times has got to be this hostile takeover in the summer, isn't it? I mean, some of the names that were linked to the club as owners then were were not people you want involved with your football club. The, the fellow who was uh, involved in Charlton in recent years when things went a bit belly up, wasn't he? Mm. Certainly... Full credit to their sports trust because what they did basically they they would they, I think the the hostile takeover guys got to about forty two percent is what Dean said in our chat and essentially they managed to go around contacting people who had shares and convince them not to sell them to these people. Apparently they had people driving around the northwest to go and speak to the people who own the shares saying please don't sell to these people we'll look to buy them from you basically and I think a lot of people actually gifted their shares essentially to mm. the trust to make sure that the other guys couldn't get over the 50% and what the club then did was, was did a share issue which basically diluted the shareholding of these people who tried to buy in so they, they basically overpaid for what shares they had mm. essentially so brilliant that they managed to stop that because they are really a community asset and then when you go to Scotland it feels like a proper football club doesn't it you feel like you're going to a real a heart of it, English football club, don't you? It's probably one of Carlisle fans' favourite away days because it's, well, for ourselves, it's relatively close. We usually take a good following. We usually do all right there. A couple of pubs, a good chippy. 
you know, it's just one, it's one of them games that you look at the fixtures and think, oh, when's Rochdale? I don't mind going there. I'll go to that. You know, it's it's a good day out. I think as well as some clubs that we've sort of mentioned and you go there and you don't see them as football league clubs at all. You're like, these are just non-league all Savage. over. But, but <laughs> Rochdale like are so synonymously football league. Do you know what I mean? Like, what it's all about. Exactly that, exactly that. And, and just, uh, I, was, I, I, I was just looking, sorry to go back a bit, but the, when they actually got relegated in 73-74 from the third division, they only won two games in 46. <laughs> I'm sure they're a team as Which well. Were, that have had to actually they won 2-1 them. at South End. They won 2-1 at South End, mm. and then they beat Shrewsbury 3-2 at home. And the rest was the drew seventeen and the lost twenty seven. That's a, that's a miserable. That's season, a hard man. season, that isn't mm. it? Proper hard season. I'm sure they've had to apply for re-election quite a few times as well. I seem to remember down yeah. the years. So I, I feel like, well. well, obviously, you know, they're in a, probably they're in a completely different league to us. But it'd be Pete Carlisle for us to be the team that they actually managed to beat. That's that, that you know. <laughs> It would have been, yeah. Well, yeah, f- funnily enough, the season before they'd finished thirteenth, so it was probably mm-hmm. a bit of a bit of a shock when that happened to them. Mm, definitely, yeah. We, well, of we... course, were uh, just going up to the top division around then. So. Indeed, yeah. we were, yeah. And Scotland as a ground. I know we're not playing this one of this game to Brunham Park. But we've got to just briefly talk about it. The, the work they've done, sort of, to turn around what was. I mean, I'm lucky. I never really got to see it as it was in the old days. You probably went a few times, Dan, and it was not. Yeah, ground, a few it? times. Yeah, it was a, it was a very very basic stadium back in the day. What they've done to it to turn it into what is one of the tidiest little grounds at lower level that actually got voted as the best ground in the league, like in the ninety two, quite a few times, didn't it? I think two or three years in a row, just because the match day experience was so good and it was a tidy little ground where there was no real no real positions where you couldn't see anything. There was no view obstructing posts. There was a nice terrace behind the goal. There was could stand along the side. The away fans were in, you know, good pubs and chippy nearby. It, like you said, it's just a good away day out, and and part of that is because they've done such a good good job of the stadium, haven't they? Well, I I went to a couple of gigs a few months ago now, and there was like a, a DJ doing a set like before the band came on, and uh, it turned out that the DJ was the fella who does the tannoy at Rochdale. Oh yeah, you get you get belting tunes when you go there. They're probably yeah yeah Manchester yeah. But Rochdale's stuff. known for its music, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Definitely, but yes, it's it's it, one of those clubs. I, I think if, if I was still a Carlisle and I lived in like in Rochdale and I wasn't going to, you know, wasn't able to get every to every Carlisle game every week, I'd probably nip down and go and watch them. That's the kind of the club they are, really. They're, they're just just a decent club. Um, their manager is Robbie Stockdale. He's a man I think Dan, me and you know that it, it was possibly interviewed for the Carlisle job a couple of times, wasn't he? He was certainly in the mix. We we're not sure if he got interviewed. We we. We have a hunch he did, but he was definitely in the mix, sort of thing, wasn't he? Yeah, not obviously not not on this occasion, obviously because Keith Miller and, and he was in no, he's no. not John Rochdale, but I'm sure when Beach got it, and possibly when Presley got it as well. I'm definitely sure when Presley mm. got it, he was interviewed at that time because I remember hearing murmurs about it. But yeah, so he's um, he's in his first full time role uh, as manager. He's been caretaker of Sunderland three times. There's there's a thankless task if you ever ever asked for one. And also, uh, I think he was interim caretaker as well, at, um, joint caretaker, sorry, at um, Grimsby Town as well for a short period. Um, but he's done quite a lot of coaching at Sunderland and other clubs. Um, obviously, their manager Brian Barry Murphy uh, uh, Rochdale actually left then last season to take over as manager of the Manchester City Elite Development Squad. It's a bit of a weird move, that isn't it? Really, you know, go from 
full time league. Basically, they're under twenty threes. Yeah, essentially, I suppose it's a job where you you're not likely to get moved on any time if resulted. You know, no. drop off a little bit. Are you? But it so. it was a jump before he was pushed kind of thing because mm-hmm. Rochdale had just gone down and um, he sort of you know he got offered the job at Man City and took it and then he still wanted Rochdale to give him money for sacking him even <laughs> though they didn't have to sack him uh, and he was going to have like a legal battle over it but I'm, I'm guessing that didn't come to fruition in the end. Well, they're probably well rid of him then if that if that's his yeah. achievement. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, despite not having uh, much of an opportunity to bring players in over the summer, I think probably fair to say the former Middlesbrough and Tramway players done a fairly decent job so far at Rochdale on what's a yeah, tight budget. I think it's fair to say because I mean, we all the fair play, we all predicted they were going to struggle this season. I think from memory, I'm sure I had them possibly in the mm. bottom two. I can't remember. I had all of them. I think one of us at least did. Probably I think I think you two both had Rochdale to go down, oh, and I'm the only one that. But the thing is, because they were flirting with the playoffs, weren't they? But they've dropped down quite a bit in mm. sort of recent weeks. Yeah, their form's dropped actually below our form in the table. We'll yeah. Cover that in a second. Um, I mean, in terms of star man, I mean, it's it's not like, it's not a squad packed with, you know, players you go, wow, look at him, you know. There's, not, there's not, no standouts, is there? Yeah. Well, you figure well, they've, they've got a lot of kids, you see. Yeah. But they've basically, they've, in, in recent seasons... They've had some good players, your likes of your Callum Camps and your, your Matty Lunds and people like that, and that's Stephen Humphrey. But they've sort of stripped it back a little bit, and, and the one I've picked is Jake Beasley, um, because he is the top scorer, essentially. Um, he's in decent goal-scoring form this season. He's actually scored two braces in a row in his last two games. Um, but the former Chesterville man, I think it's fair to say he blows hot and cold, because he, he can... For straight fans, as much as he delights them, <laughs> from what <laughs> from the the guy from the Rochdale podcast was saying, um, I think maybe dropping down to League Two levels give him a chance to get his form up a little bit as well. He did okay last season from his first season, but not that great. But this season, he's uh, he's managed nine goals in twenty one league appearances, and he's actually now got seventeen goals in all competitions in the calendar year. So he's he's clearly going to be a goal threat this weekend uh, potentially. So one to watch out for. Um, other key squad members, I don't know if you lads have had a chance to look through. Obviously, the guy from the pods mentioned Corey O'Keefe. It's interesting, this Mansfield have loaned out a few players to League Two clubs who are doing well at those clubs. So he's one that they picked out as someone doing quite well for them. Uh, Aaron Morley's one as well. He, um, mm. They didn't think that they'd keep hold of him in the summer when they went down. Um, but in the end, he's only like 21, came through their youth academy. And he's already got, uh, I think, nearly 100 appearances. Pretty good going that. Yeah. When you consider Alex Newby start, Alex Newby started at Barrow, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, he's he's, he's always one who's done quite well. He's a pointless fact that I know. He's got a twin brother who plays for Halifax. Does he? Oh, there you go. Mm. Didn't know that. Identical twin, though. I'm not sure, but I know he he has some fantastic shit houseery. If you had a fellow. Yeah. <laughs> identical twin who was a footballer I'll go along and play this weekend for Rochelle you go and play for Halifax or yeah. I, I would genuinely I'll, I'll tell you I'll, that. <laughs> one, one that does stand out is uh, Liam Kelly mm. because he's possibly the only time Rochdale have ever signed a player from Feyenoord oh wow was he good for <laughs> oh wait hang on was he did he start out somewhere else and go was to was it Reading I think he's, he was at Reading he went mm. to Feyenoord mm. for about a million and he had a uh, he had a couple of spells at Oxford on loan, and obviously Feyenoord have just decided that ah, he's not good enough for us. And he uh, 
he went to uh Rotherham, still he has he hasn't played that much for them like but interesting move that one isn't it it's fair there's, there's not many times you'll see Thayenord to Rochdale on a transfer list oh. yeah well in terms of current form for for Rochdale they sit 16th in the last six games league two form table United are 15th with record of oh no sorry I should say not United's record but Rochdale's record is drawn 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 lost lost won and actually won last time I was quite an impressive 3-0 win over mm. Newport so I don't know if Newport had a sort of slightly uh, understrength squad in terms of COVID and things like that, but you know, strange team Newport. Strange yeah. team. They get some good results. They do here chuck. And there. They do chuck some bad results in now and again. Mm. Mm. Very odd one, aren't they? In terms of that. Um, well, r- rather than do all the predictions at once at the end, should we do li- predictions after each section? Talking about each team, probably be the easiest way of doing it. So, first up, Dan, go on. You, you give us our prediction for the Rochdale game. Solid two nil home win on a cold winter's early afternoon. 2-0, Gibson and the fish. Oh, we're going to keep pushing the fish, I think that's just going to be my stock, yeah. my stock answer now, isn't <laughs> it? Answer, <laughs> You're going to do it for all three games, probably, at this rate, but there you go. Uh, Mike, yeah, what we'll are you going to go for? Uh, I'll go for a narrow 1-0, uh, but I'll go for Calvin Meller to get our goal, because he's, oh, yeah. he's a bit of a threat on set pieces, and yeah. I think, it, yeah, so yeah, that's what I'm yeah. going for. Well, I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. Uh, and I'm going to go with goals from the fish and Big John. Big John Mellish will get uh, his second goal as a striker, basically, and that's it. He will now be a centre forward <laughs> going forward. No, no going back now. And to the next ev- evolution is he'll go in nets in a game when a keeper gets sent off, <laughs> and then we'll basically just make him player manager. Just let's let's just get it over and done with. You know, that's that's the way yeah. forward for me. Right, well, I think what we'll do is we'll take a little break now because we've talked quite a bit now and then, then we'll come back and uh, we'll cover the other two games. Probably not as much depth, but we'll, we'll give them a quick cover. So here we go. And we're back for the second half of the show. Uh, just a quick reminder, of course, you can find us on social media at Brunton Bugle. Uh, search for Brunton Bugle on Facebook and like our page. And uh, we're obviously posting on the Be Just on Fair Not group on Facebook and as well as that on the uh, the Cummings.net message board as well. Um, and if, if the old-fashioned style of way you like doing it, then go and send us an email, bruntonbugle at gmail. Dot com. Something we did actually forget to mention, obviously, something we, we sort of should have covered actually in the Rochdale bit, is the fact that United won't be wearing their home kit on Boxing Day, will they, Dan? We'll be wearing an away kit no. for this game. Yeah. And it's caused uproar today. It's Wednesday <laughs> when we record because Rochdale have claimed that they can't wear their away kit because, if you remember, our away kit's black with a very thin stripe of blue, white and red. Yeah. Rochdale have an all-red away kit and they seem to think it will be a clash. It's not a clash. Which I don't yeah. understand. And it's it's not even on keepers' kits because we, can, we now have a third keeper kit in green, yeah. don't we? Yeah, so we can easily so, change that. It's nonsense. Yeah. I mean, should... if Rochdale have a green keeper's kit, we've got a white one we can use, which isn't mm. a kit. So. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? Who knows? Exactly, it's nonsense. So basically, we're wearing the away kit, essentially. It's part of a, a campaign by the uh, charity shelter obviously uh you know help support homeless people and if the idea is no home kit basically it's highlighting the fact that some people don't have a home over christmas and that kind of thing um 
rather than going to the DLA, I would suggest you go to the official website because there's a whole article about it there. I'll go to the Shelter website. Yeah. There's loads of brilliant information the, on there about it. The Premier League refused to do it as well, so up yours to them. Exactly. <laughs> did they refuse it or did they actually agree to it? It's not no, great. they refused. They refused. It's, it's, not, it's not great. They refused on the basis that they can't agree to every request they receive. It's a one-off though, isn't it? It's ridiculous where the Football League... It's a one-off at Christmas. The Football League, actually, you know what? Uh, quite often better than the Premier League at stuff like this. They, 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 they make these little changes every now and then just to, to yeah. make things happen. So, you know, fair play to them. Fair play to them. So, yeah, so we're in our awake it. For uh, for this game, so um, so there you go. Uh, let's go on to the Salford game then, lads. And this one's uh, Wednesday night. In fact, actually, before we go any further, reminder: the Rochdale game is a one o'clock kickoff. I almost forgot this, and it wasn't. It was only when I was checking up stuff for the game for this uh, episode that I realised it's actually one pm kickoff. Quite why I don't know. I'm still baffled by it. Police advice. Yeah, it, it, the kickoff Police time was advice. moved like really early in the season as well, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Why like, they moved that one really early? My- and then my the my only thinking is the police Boxing Day is a traditional day out in Carlisle. I just think they wanted their resource not to overlap between uh, football and then drinking crowds later in the day. So if a match is finished at three, they'll be finished doing the football stuff at four, mm. and then they can be out and about sort of five six o'clock on a butcher gate and surrounding area. Mm, that's the only reason you can think of really so there you go yeah, yeah so so the Salford game uh, it's on Wednesday it's a 7.45pm kickoff. Um we still got about 100 tickets left don't we I think the other day the, the club said so you'll have, if, you'll have to have a quick check and see if they've still got those available if you're interested in going but uh should be a really good following shouldn't it this one uh, Dan for the first ever first ever trip fans have been allowed to go to the Peninsula Stadium possibly the last ever visit yeah. to the Peninsula Stadium as well because they're potentially moving well we're, we're, we're all on you know as we alluded to earlier we sort of you know, with COVID and that, we're taking mm. it day by day, almost hour by hour at the moment. Mm. And it would it would be just typical that we'll we'll get a win on Boxing Day, we'll sell those last one hundred, sorry, a win in front of nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine <laughs> fans. We'll get a win, and then they'll decide to do sports behind closed doors. I mean, according reading the latest from various press things, there are no plans in England currently, but. As we all know, that could we've heard change. that before. But, yeah, you, you yeah. imagine they probably want Christmas and, and this is their last season, possibly at this stadium yeah. because they're yeah. swapping with the rugby team. Yeah. So cancel crowds after this game. I don't care. I just <laughs> want to do this game. Yeah, I want to be able to tick it off the one time we get a chance to go. Mm. There you go. Um, yep. Yeah, so obviously playing at Police Stadium. Uh, the referee for this game is Darren Drysdale. It's his 18th season as an EFL referee. He's taken charge of 18 games so far this season, handing out 68 bookings and three red cards. Uh, last took charge of United way back in August 2018 for the 1-0 this defeat. This surprised uh, Man- me when I read this. Yeah, defeat in Mansfield. I, I thought, he's not like Northern-based, he's, he's, but he's, he's one of those names you, you see. Yeah, he's yeah. one of those names you see regularly, and, you know, mm. especially if we're playing sort of Manchester Midlands, to yeah. sort of Midlands area, you know. Yeah, but yeah, the last time he took charge was just over three years ago but he's, he's probably best remembered <laughs> for an incident that happened uh, a couple of years ago I think it was now when uh, he was um, refereeing a game between I think I can't remember it was between but Ipswich were playing in the game weren't they and he gave some I think he gave a, a free kick against someone instead of a penalty and Alan Judge got right in his face didn't he basically and was abusing him no doubt about that he was shouting some abuse at him and he effectively almost nutted him <laughs> 
he's an RAF instructor, so he's not probably someone you'd want to really mess with too much, is he really? But yeah, basically, they butted heads and uh, he was given a four-game ban. <laughs> you don't see that very often, a referee getting banned, do you really? Yeah. So uh, a bit of a surprise on that. So that's probably what he's best remembered for. Um, so he's the referee for this game. Um, we've only played them four times in our history, but I haven't lost them yet. Two wins and two draws so far, including the uh, win earlier this season. One of the few wins we've had on the board in the league so far this campaign. Um, yeah, they're a club that's had like a, a meteoric rise over recent years since they got took over by the class of 92 and, and Peter Lim. Um, fairy tale, I put in quotation marks. Yeah, fairy tale story. Um, there's sort of a running joke, isn't there now? Even when they get knocked out of the FA Cup, they're going to be live on telly in the next round. Um, that, that's how basically how much they get picked for the live mm. games. I, I, I think there's only maybe been one or two rounds in the last three years where they haven't been the live game. Yeah. Which is ridiculous when you consider they struggle to get over 1,500 fans for home games, despite the fact that the tickets are really cheap. 15 quid to get in. That's what it's costing us to go there. It, it just seems like they, no matter what they do, they just can't get the fans in, can they, Dan? I think Man City are about the same price as one. Yeah, yeah. Now, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, you know, they're, they're not a non-league club with a massive tradition. You know, they're mm. not, they're, they're not, they're not like, a, you know, Yeovil who are, you know, traditional crowds or, you know, when when you first mention non-league teams in Manchester, the first one I, I always think of is Altrincham, mm. you know, because they, they've got a little bit more tradition than yeah. a couple of cup games and that and, let, let's be honest, they've only been picked because of their proximity to Old Trafford. Mm. Yeah, and the opportunity um, was there, probably. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Media anything. City as well, now. Yeah, yeah Media yeah. City, Salford being a city, basically, it, it, it attracts you a little bit more of a name, but they still don't seem to be able to get the fans in. And I think one of the issues is the fact that Moor Lane is not the most easily accessible ground to get to, is it? I mean, we, no. We, we haven't been yet, but I know from speaking to others that basically you've got to get a bus there. The, you're going to get the train, you've got a half an hour walk. So it's pointless, you might as well just get a bus up. And to be honest, that's not going to be a huge amount better when they go to the rugby league ground, is it? Because that's, it's, it's near the traffic centre. It's got good parking options from what I can gather, but it's, you know, in terms of public transport, I mean, the nearest one again is probably the, the Metro Link at the traffic centre, and that's a good 30-minute walk away at least as well. So, yeah, it, it's not, not not ideal, I think it's fair to say for them. Um but yeah, they've struggled a bit since getting into League Two, haven't they? They they haven't really been able to kick on and do as well as they ha- they'd like. I mean, they probably weren't helped by the season being curtailed by COVID in their first campaign. But of all the clubs that you thought oh might do all right through COVID because they've got the backing behind them, they haven't really taken advantage of that, have they? I think it's fair to say, Mike. They've they've kind of just bumbled along, and this season looks like one of their worst yet, doesn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think. I mean, I, I bat them to win the league. In our pre-season, because everyone, everyone yeah. does every season though, because yeah. of the, the sheer money side of it. Well, exactly. Yeah. But I, I think that they've kind of hit their wall now, and I think financial fair play having rich yeah. owners doesn't mean a lot to them. And I'd, I, I've, I've sort of said this for a while. It's a deep conspiracy that bookmakers put low odds on things. So you, you know, you know, at the start of the season, when everyone will pick a team from the Premier League. Championship, League One, League Two. Who's going to win the league? You know, uh, fourfold and all the rest of it. Bucky's put low odds so that people will back these teams, and they know full well they're not, they're not actually going to win. <laughs> like we've had it with some Carlisle games where, like, the odds have been like really, uh, like 
long on the other team and we're thinking the other team have just won three on the bounce why are the odds long on them <laughs> yeah. and i think it's when people are doing an accumulator they think oh well people will just back carlisle because we put short odds on them and you know people who don't really know what they're doing and yeah i really think that salford have just hit their wall now and th- this is where they're gonna be they might sort of flirt with league one but if they do they might just bounce back down again i think that this is where they are now yeah and i mean the problem they've got as well is you know there was a bit of a void left when Berry went our business, but it looks like it's going to be two clubs in Berry now potentially, yeah. and they're potentially going to be the, moving the up. Very, the they're very well. similar to likes of Accrington and Fleetwood mm. in that they are league clubs now, but they've only got they've got a ceiling as to attendance and mm. ground size, etc. I mean, I know Salford is more metropolitan, being in in and around Manchester, Greater Manchester, mm. compared to Fleetwood, which has got one road in, one road out, and Accrington, who are in between Blackburn and Burnley. But there's only so far... And don't get us wrong, it'd be great to see Accrington in the Championship for the season, but would they sustain it? Probably not. No, no, it's, it's a fair point. I think Accrington have got that bit of community spirit about them, though, haven't they? I think that's... That's the one thing that goes in their favour as well. They, they've built, really built up and worked around their community. I think Salford have found that a lot tougher because, like you said, it, Salford's quite a big sprawling area. You don't really think think of it, but there's no real sort of... The centre point is actually quite close to Manchester almost. It's it's, it's kind of weird, isn't it? It's, it's a hard one to sort of work out. So whether moving to the very outskirts on the other side, basically, to the, to the rugby league ground or benefit them, I don't know. It's going to be really hard to see and... I think the thing with yeah. Manchester as well, though, is like to go anywhere in Manchester, you kind of have to go into Manchester City Centre and then mm. come out again. And I think yeah. if people are doing that, they'd rather just like go to Man City or like somewhere, someone else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a tough one, especially like you said, as City offer cheap tickets for a lot of games as well. That makes it a bit more of a challenge too. Um, so their manager's Gary Bow. Yeah, I mean he. he, he... They they basically had looked to try and get Mickey Millen, Mickey Millen in the summer, I was told. But he decided to go back to Tranmere and they exhausted, exhausted all their options and basically went back to Bowie and said, do you want the job full time? And he came back. I mean, that's not really a great sign, is it really, for yeah. as a club? So, um, yeah, he, he did okay last season, but I mean, he struggled a little bit at the start of this campaign. But they've picked up form recently, so you never know. They're starting to move up the table at a decent pace. So maybe, just maybe, they'll sort of hit that second se- half of the season form and get themselves up into playoff pack. But it's going to be a challenge because there's some decent teams ahead of them right now. Um, star man, I picked out Conor McElhenney because I just like to remind Mike every now and then that he reckon he would <laughs> score next to no goals for all of them last season. He scored nearly 20. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's found it a bit tougher though since he's gone to Salford. I think he's only scored two goals in like 13 games, something like that. So... Uh, finding it a bit tough to get that form but I think he plays a bit more of a wide role again there so uh, he's still got bags of quality key squad members don't know which one you, do you guys want to pick out of here Ashley Easton seems uh, Ashley Easton's one that screams out you know his yeah. uh, brief brief spell at Carlisle he gets he gets goals from set pieces uh, mm. Ian Henderson's probably the obvious yeah. name mm. you yeah. know he's got he's got experience but he, he, you wonder if he's maybe just Starting to age that a little bit now? Yeah, possibly. He's not quite scoring as many goals, is he? I think if he plays a bit more of a withdrawn role for them, though, doesn't he? He doesn't really play as the main man for um, for them. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, Matty Lund looked like a really good signing from Rochdale in the summer. But again, he's not really hit the form you'd expect, would you, so far? And um, 
Ibu Toure is one that I, I really was impressed with for them. He looked like a really good attacking left back, but maybe not been quite as good this season, possibly. But yeah. you know, I'm, I'm just looking at the squad here. You know, Josh Morris hasn't really done it since he's been there. No, it's uh, true. Matt, Matty Willock. You know, I mean, this is a lad who was at Arsenal and Man United, mm. and it's it's not really happened for him. You know, it's. Yeah, it's been, been tough for him, hasn't it, so far? Um, in terms of form, like I said, they've they really picked up in recent weeks. Uh, they're currently sitting fifth in the last six games, League 2 form table, with a record of drawn one, drawn one, lost one. It should be noted they've faced quite a few weaker sides in that in that run as well, uh, and teams, even that though they're near the top, they've, they've dropped off form. So it's probably come at a good time for them, and it's probably given them that bit of confidence to help them move up the table and drag themselves away from trouble because there was one point where it looked like they could really get caught in the relegation battle this season but I think it's probably fair to say now Mike that they're not going to be a team that's going to be struggling at the bottom of the season I think it's they've built you, enough a gap now well it's weird because you know I sort of said before Rochdale are slightly getting pulled into it and mm. Salford are only ahead of them on goal difference you know mm. but they do they do have a game in hand over them but yeah, the, the key thing is the directions they're heading in, though, isn't it? Really. At the yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think they're going to go down. I just, I don't particularly think that they're going to go up either this season. No, no, certainly not. Um, okay, well, let's do some predictions for this game then, guys. Um, what are we going for, Mike? Uh, Dan first, sorry. I'm going for a four-nil win. <laughs> oh, ambitious. We'll, we'll be jubilant after defeating Rochdale. And it will be a feast of free-flowing post-Christmas pre-New Year football <laughs> in the final game with crowds. And there'll be nearly as many home fans as away fans and it'll be 4-0. And it'll be Gibson, the fish, uh, Dickinson and Mark Howard's going to score <laughs> when the win... <laughs> A wind-assisted clearance. Okay, we well, started on the Baileys too. already, done. <laughs> <laughs> He's well on it, isn't he? Definitely. Okay, Mike, what are you going to go for? Uh, well, do you know what? I'm going to not be too far away from Dan. I'm going to go three nil. Oh, I feel that's... like festive, big away games. That you know, there's something about us in them, and I'm going to go for the fish to get a brace, and I'll go for John Mellish to get the other one. Oh wow, you really are. you two two are going very confident. I'm gonna go for a two two draw, then I'm gonna temper things a little bit. Um I think you know it'll still be a good result. I think we'll battle back to, to get into the game. Uh, and I'm gonna go for goals from Rod McDonald to finally get his first goal for the club. Um and Jordan Gibson will get the other. There you go. That's that's what we're going for for that one. So let's move on to the Scunfort one then, guys. And we'll probably not cover again this one in too much DL because it, it is a bit off and there probably is gonna be a bit of a Change of wind, I suppose, by then, I think it's fair to say. Uh, referee for this game, this one's on uh, New Year's Day of a 3pm kickoff at Glenford Park. Uh, Robbie Madley or Bobby Madley? Bobby uh, Madley! Hey, let's be careful what we're saying right now, thank you very much. Um, famously took a, a break from refereeing after a video emerged of him making an offensive joke. Not doing anything else. Let's make that very, very clear. <laughs> Behave yourself. <laughs> I think... <laughs> everyone knows it. We would say everyone knows what the... <laughs> The rumour was, and let's be honest, it was complete bollocks. It was the most ridiculous thing you ever heard. It's typical um, it, football it, Twitter, it, isn't it? it? It's the only, only in this country would that sort of rumour even begin. Yeah. Cause it wouldn't this, happen in Italy yeah. or Spain. Or, no, because at, at, at this point, uh, he actually, 
he, he was a foot, he was a Premier League referee, and I think he'd managed mm-hmm. to stop himself Premier League, and he and he basically has ruined his career essentially. What happened and what he did, and if you read the interviews about it, I was, was going to say if if you read the interviews, I think he went through all joking apart. He went through a really bad time on the back mm. of it, didn't he? And uh, he comes across quite well actually, because yeah. I never really liked him as a referee till I read it. I thought, oh, fair play, you know, you got to remember they are humans, referees, aren't they? And you and you read it and you think to yourself, yeah, fair play. I don't think the EFA or the, the the FA everything handled it that well, there did they really? No, I think no. they could have handled it a lot better than they did. Uh, he actually had a spell in Norwegian football after that because I think he's uh, his wife's from Norway. I think is it. Um, so he went over to Norway, refereed over there for a bit, and now he's back in England and back in the EFL. Um, he's taken charge of 20 games so far this season, handing out 65 bookings and three red cards. Uh, he last took charge of United for the 1-1 draw against Leighton Orient towards the start of this season, actually. Um, I think as well, the the guy who's the fourth official for this game, if I've got it right, I thought this, I, I had this for the other game recently, but it wasn't. Uh, Hiristo Karani Vanil, Vanavov. Karani Karivan or off. Uh, I think he's the guy who wore the smart shoes on the touchline as a as a, um, a linesman for that game. I seem to remember a while back because he'd forgotten his boots. Didn't get punished for it because there's nothing in the law saying he couldn't wear smart shoes. So there you go. Head to head record. We played him 65 times in our history. Scunthorpe, um, 21 wins, 15 draws, and Scunthorpe have won 29 games in that time. So they're well on top in terms of that. Um, they're kind of a weird. Club's gone for because when I was sort of starting to follow United again, I saw them as sort of almost like a Rochdale style club that was just in the bottom leagues. They were a third, basically a fourth division, old fourth division side. But actually, in the last twenty years, they spent a lot of time at third tier level and actually a fair bit of time as well in the Championship, haven't they? They're one of these clubs that threw a bit of money at it, but then they got big transfer fees for players. You likes of um was it Gary Hooper went to Celtic and yeah, Billy, Billy Sharp, Sharp as well. well. I think Billy Sharp they signed for a hundred grand and then flogged him back to uh Sheffield United for like two million or something like that. Mm. And the, yeah they've had a few players down the years and they've done really well out of that. But that in the days of heavy investment have basically gone now, essentially for Scunfarb. They're they're not pumping big money into it anymore. And the result is that the last couple of seasons they've been languishing at the bottom of league two, haven't they? And it's um it's not been great for them, has it, the last couple of seasons, Dan? No. Uh, let's be honest, they've, they've been atrocious. You yeah. know, Scunthorpe fans are probably glad that there weren't allowed fans in for a lot of these games because <laughs> they, they, when we saw them last season, oh, they were terrible. Mm. You know, and We should have beat them at Scunthorpe, shouldn't we? I yeah. remember that game because that was the one where Ethan Walker had that great chance and the keeper made to save him. Yeah. We battered them and they just basically scabbed the win because of John Mellish's mistake, yeah. basically. It's a crazy one, that one, isn't it? Um, despite their ground being only about 30 years or so old, um, it is one of the worst away days going, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, it's a soulless concrete box in the middle of a retail park that's a fair distance from the centre of Scunthorpe. I've never been on the train to it. I've always driven it's or been miles. on the bus. It's miles, honestly. Yeah. It's about three miles. I mean, Scunthorpe's not an easy place to get to on the train either. You can cut well. across the golf course, but on the 14th, I might not be happy if there's a few of you. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's probably fair to say. Um, there's one chain pub nearby. I mean, it's a dreadful away end too, isn't it? For a fairly new ground. There's there's view obstructing posts. There's barely any leg room. And there's a concourse that is, I genuinely think is dangerous. It's that thin. You, you can barely fit anybody in it. It's, it's just, I never, ever enjoy going there. And the fact that it's 25 quid to get in is quite frankly a disgrace for, for League Two football. It's the only ground that I've left early. 
in my entire life, <laughs> and and it was it was bad. It was under Greg Abbott, um, and I think we lost like three nil, and there was only five minutes left, and I was like, they they just scored the third, and I was like, yeah, it's, it's not happening. So I got in the car to go because um, I was parked in the car park, and the steward's like, you can't leave till after the full time whistle. <laughs> and, and he's like blocking me out. I was just like, for God's sake! I just want to go home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ridiculous, isn't it? But there you go. Yeah, so it's, it's just like I mean, obviously we've got great memories of some of the games down the years down there. Obviously, we we, we saw a, a win where Ryan Loft scored the winner a couple of years ago, mm. Mike and Dan. I'm sure you were there that famous day when Jeff Forbes scored the uh, oh, the game. late winner. That was the game where everyone came out and thought. We could do something this season. We yeah. can do something. Yeah. What we also had a, a famous win, I think, the season we went down to the conference as well. I think we won 3-2. And was it Mark Boyd and Chris Billy both scored that night, didn't they? Maybe Peter Duffield got the other. I can't remember. But I remember Boyd and Billy's goals were brilliant goals from long range from, from memory. I once went to a terrible 4-0 defeat there as well. That was, <laughs> that was shocking that yeah. game. I, I was there. Were you that day when um, we lost 3-0 under Ian Atkins and we got down to eight men? Because of a red card, I think Tony Hopper possibly, got sent off. Possibly, Darren Carr got sent off for stamping on someone near the corner flag, which, with hindsight, was very, very funny. Um, it wasn't that funny at the time, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, uh, with hindsight, it was quite a funny thing to do. And you know, you look back and think, "Yeah, that's, that's stupid but brilliant." Um, and we nearly—I think it was when it was, we were down to eight. We nearly score when David Morley tried to lob the keeper from the halfway line, but then they basically ran away with it three 0 all I remember is that someone sat next to me in that game, put their foot through the seat in front of them because they were that annoyed when the third red card got given. Um, and, and that referee that day was Paul Alcock, famously the referee that was pushed over mm. by Paulo de Canio. Um, but yeah, no surprise, they're looking to move to a new ground in the near future. I mean, that that doesn't really shock you much, does it really? So, so there you go. Um, their manager's Keith Hill, local uh, lad Neil Cox, was let go by Scunny. Uh, a couple of months ago, and his replacement is the vastly experienced former Rochdale Tramier boss, Keith Hill. Um, a man that reportedly was very close to getting the United job before Keith mm. Millen did. Mm. Until a last-minute change of heart, apparently. Yeah, he was shown around the facilities at Creighton. I mean, his son was, we think his son was playing for Rochdale age groups on yeah. that day, but the opportunity was taken to show him some of the training facilities we sometimes use. Yeah. Bit of a weird one, that one, isn't it, really? But there you go. Um, certainly a name that divides opinions of the fans of the clubs he's managed. He, he been, he's well-loved at Rochdale, understandably, because he's brought them so many great memories and uh, success down the years. Less so at Bolton and Tranmere. I mean, despite the fact that he had a very good record at Tranmere, I think he had a 50% we, win we, record. We've mentioned this before, haven't we? Just, they didn't seem to get on with him at all. Did no, they? no, he didn't. Now, off the field, apparently, there was a few issues in terms of the way things were being handled by him, I think it's fair to say. Um, I think Scunny will just be hope, but he can perform a miracle and drag them away from trouble and get results. It's basically what they need, isn't it? Really get them get them out of the, uh, the bottom two. Um, Starman, I mean, it was hard work. I'm looking through the squad. I was like, who do you pick out? I picked Ryan Loft at the start of the season, but he's been injured for a lot of this season. Yeah, so yeah. I've, I've basically gone for Harry Davis. He was at Morecambe last season and someone who got a bit of experience in a young squad. I mean, other than that, I mean... Obviously, I mentioned Loft, but he's had it hampered by injuries this year. Can still score a few goals and lead the line quite well. Alex Kenyon, again, was another player from Morecambe who'd done fairly well there. Harry Bunn showed some promise early in his career, but has not really lived up to it. I mean, I don't know if you guys have looked through and managed to pick anyone else out of it, but... Not really, no. It's, 
Nothing There's not out. much. I think they've got that Miles Hippolyte. Or yeah, he's one who can it, play well on his day, but he's hitting yeah. us, isn't he? One, one name that does stand out, uh, son of Tony, Dan Gallimore. Yes. yeah, He's, he's a first-year midfielder, I think, possibly, mm. who is... Uh, I think he's been on the bench and made a couple of appearances mm. now for them. Mm, interesting to see if he plays uh, on New Year's Day. Um, in terms of the current form, they've picked up a little bit of form recently. Uh, they currently sit 19th in that last six games League 2 form table. Uh, their record in the last six games is drawn, lost, drawn, 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 drawn. Basically, their problem is they can't convert these draws into wins. He's tightening them up, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. He's made them very hard to beat. Similar yeah. to the way that sort of Millen's tried to do with us. We're not shipping goals at an extraordinary rate. But we're struggling to score at the other end and we're struggling to get results, basically, or wins, although we have managed, you know, two wins and our last three. So that's something, I suppose. Um, but they're looking a harder team to beat under Hill and it, it'll be a tougher challenge. And I mean, for them, I think the main thing is to get themselves through to January and then just get players in and ship yeah. a few out, probably, with the way they're looking at things there. I think it's fair to say. Um, let's have some predictions for this and then we'll quickly go through what United should do over these few games. Dan, what are you going for? Well, I'm actually going to go with a draw on the basis mm. that, you know, he's obviously doing his work on the training ground, much like we have, you know, we're, we're mm. definitely harder to beat. And I just think it could be a proper attritional one-all draw. Mm. And I'm going to go for Joe Riley to score. Oh, back from injury, do you reckon? Yeah. Mm. Mike, what are you going to go for? I'm going to go for a what narrow 1-0 win, last-minute winner from Zach Clough off the bench to just give Millen a bit of a headache. There you go. Ooh, interesting, that one. Interesting choice. You reckon he'll be back from injury as well, possibly, because he, he's been out injured too, so you've both well, gone for players who are currently out injured. But there you go. Uh, I'm going to go... Yeah, but th- this match is actually going to get played six months from now. now. Uh, yeah, so, probably, yeah. There we go. Um, I'm, I'm going to go for it. A 2-1 win, actually. Uh, and I'm going to go with goals from the fish. And Brennan Dickinson, I'll get the other. That's what I'm going to go for. The fish and Dickinson to, to get us the goals in a 2-1 win. So we're all going for unbeaten over Christmas. I think we're all actually going for... Am I right there? We're going for seven points out of nine? Mm. Ambitious. I think I went for nine points out of nine. <laughs> you went for nine. And you've lost me of being on the bill. <laughs> to say. Come on. Come on. Uh, well, let's quickly talk about United then in terms of these games before we do X-Files and that stuff. Um, so in terms of injuries, Riley could possibly come back for these games and I think Clough maybe as well. They're both I think, closing I think in. the way they've been speaking, Riley's more ahead of the others. Yeah, so I mean, Clough might be one who maybe get back in yeah. time but it might be a bit more of a challenge for him. Uh, other than that, Torre's long-term injury as is Alessandra. And then Jensen and Dickinson remain out of action. I mean, I'd imagine if Howard gets tied down to a longer deal, then Jensen's probably going back in January yeah, I think, to, yeah. to Burnley, which makes sense. He's got to go somewhere else and get some game time, hopefully, to help himself. Um, yeah, what do you do with this one then, Dan? Do you, do you pick, mix pick, and match the teams or do you pick your no, best team and stick with it? We've, we've had a week off. We should be able to play certainly Sunday, Wednesday, no problem. Mm. Pick our strongest team, and the key to it is substitutions. Yeah. You know, if someone's maybe only 95% and we're 2-0 up, take them off. Yeah. You know. Would you stick with the 11 that played against Stevenage then? Uh, I said yes for Bradford. 
because it was a week after. It's now mm. two weeks after. I don't see any reason why not. Mm. You know, they've they don't deserve to be dropped. You know, they did they did the job, and it could be a, a similar kind of game because, as we say, Rochdale are no great shakes. Mm. Mike, what would you do? Yeah, you know, don't change your winning team, but if if Riley is fit and if Mellish is to be our 25-goal-a-season striker now, then maybe there is a slot for Riley in the midfield. But, yeah, I, I, for now, I, I keep it as it is. I think I'd agree. I think I'd probably stick with it for this game. What I'd maybe do is maybe look to maybe rest Fishburne, on the, put him on the bench for the Salford game, depending on even if he scores in the game against Rochdale, you're not going to drop him, are you? But I think maybe it's one of those ones you look at it and think, maybe you bring one of Young and Abrahams in for that game against Salford and then bring Fishburne back in on New Year's Day, possibly, just to keep him fresh, because he's one of the younger ones in the squad. But yeah, I mean, it's like you said, there's probably no real need to make major changes. And if, if you know, Mellish is big and physical and he can cope with the three games in a row, so I, I wouldn't be against him starting off as a striker. There you go. Should we go on the X-Files now then, guys? Yeah, there wasn't uh, wasn't much to report. Obviously, a lot of games were off. The big one was Jared Branforth not only started for Everton at Chelsea, he actually scored the equaliser in the one-all draw. And I think it was between him and Pickford for man of the match, depending on what paper you read. The BBC website do that thing where you can pick your best player, can't you? You can rate the players in the games and he came up top. On that, yeah, and you know, fair play. I mean, it's a great bit of play, though, isn't it? To stretch and get to that ball on the free kick. So, and it was a weakened Everton side, it wasn't just a case of he was the one yeah. young player coming in, they had about three or four young lads coming to the team, and they did yeah. pretty well. So, and, and to, you know, he's made himself undroppable for the next game, basically. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, James Tavernier scored again, another penalty for Rangers, 1 0 win over Dundee United. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Yates scored in Blackpool's 3-1 win over Peter it was quite late that goal yeah. uh, Josh Todd scored in Queen of the South's 3-0 win over Air. Uh, a few ex-players scored in various non-league games Liam Brockbank for Lancaster Mark Beck for York Stephen Rigg and David Symington for Workington and Liam Noble scored a decisive penalty in Morpeth Town's FA Trophy win via penalty shootout yeah, it's strange we don't really hear his name that often these days. He used to score no, a lot of goals no. from midfield, so mm-hmm. yeah, nice to hear his name for once. Um, a few of the other bits as well. There's some interesting ones in here. Yeah, this is one you found, wasn't it? David yeah. Ravens in a bitter war of words between Marine and Warrington Town. Basically, essentially, what it is, he's he's been playing at Marine for the last couple of years. Um, he had he joined them from Warrington Town, funny enough. Um, but Warrington Town have just appointed a new manager, and he wanted to bring. David Raven over as his basically player assistant manager. Um, and Marina basically said, no, you're contracted to us till the end of the season, so you can stay with us and then we can look at maybe getting you into coaching properly then. So basically, Raven just turned around and says, well, fine, I retire. I'm going to go and be assistant manager at Warrington instead. <laughs> and basically, Marina furious about it. But I mean, it, it, it's his career, isn't it? He's got to look forward to these things yeah. at a non-league level. With, I mean, with a 36-year-old as well, it's not like it's a young kid that you're you know, potentially going to make money on. Yeah. You've yeah. got to be a bit more sensible than that, don't you, Marine? I think it's fair yeah. to say. Especially so, Marine got a few quid last season from their FA Cup. You know, it's yeah. bickering over a couple of quid yeah. or whatever. Yeah, bit of a funny yeah. one. Right? There you go. Uh, former goalkeeper Adam Collin has announced his retirement football. Yeah, probably tied in with the fact that he's got a, a job uh, in the Mansfield Town setup now. 
Yeah, I think it makes so, more sense, doesn't um, it, for him to And know. one other that we haven't actually got in the running order, but mm. uh, Chris Beach missed out in the race for the Fleetwood Did, job. Yeah. Him and Stephen Craney were joint favourites for, for basically from the moment the betting started, but mm. uh, they've deemed Craney to do a decent enough job as caretaker. I think he sort of got lucky towards the end, didn't he, Craney? Because he had a pretty bad start there. I mean, you lost about his the, first They had a good 3-0 win over Bolton the other yeah, week. Yeah, that, that's the thing that's that probably really tipped the balance, yeah. Yeah, so that really picked it up for him. So, so there you go. Um, we were going to play some games, but I think you've got to dash off in a minute, Dan, don't you? So yeah. we're, we're not going to have time to do them, unfortunately. So maybe we'll do them in the new year. We'll do some new year games, because you like to do them on New Year's Eve anyway. Um, but yeah, in terms of um, upcoming episodes, guys, uh, the... Um, We'll do a Christmas review episode, I think, covering these games. Might take the dictaphone, we'll meet some of the games and we'll record a few bits because me and you are both going to be at the Sulphur game, I think, Dan, on the uh, 29th. Is that right? Planning to be, yeah. Yeah, touch wood, as long as everything goes to plan. Um, So we'll we'll try and get a few bits recorded. We'll do a little review episode, basically covering those games and all that went on. And then, at the moment, we've got a free weekend on the 8th. As as you touched on, Mike, it could be when the the game against Bradford gets played, couldn't it? Mm-hmm. Not hundred percent on that. Yeah, although I mean, we could always alternatively record a state of the club in person. We could one. do. We could record a few bits mm. and get a few fun views. Not possible. You you never know. But yeah, basically, we're, we're waiting to see what happens with the Bradford thing. But if the if the Bradford game isn't put on that weekend, then what we'll do is we'll do a state of the club episode, which will be a bit different than we originally planned. I think it's fair to say. Now, the, yeah, uh, well, I was just going to say take the, over uh, the, the takeover news has probably helped us a bit. You know, it's. Cleared a few things up, certainly. But yeah, but there's still plenty to talk about, isn't there? Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Lots to talk about there, I yeah. think it's fair to say. But that's the plan going forward. Um, just got to say thank you once again to our sponsors of London Branch for sponsoring the the show um, this season so far. It's been re- real, real big help. And thanks to all the uh, the people who contributed as well to the online supporter fund thing that we did. Um, you, you probably noticed it's not been on the last couple of episodes at the start asking if you fancy giving a contribution because we decided to knock it off for Christmas basically because you know it's a time when everyone's spending a lot of money on their friends and family and stuff like that so you know we'll, we'll relaunch it again in the new year if anyone wants to make any contributions but at the moment just massive thank you to people who've given us money through that as well it's really helped in terms of the running cost and hosting costs and things like that um lads thanks once again for joining me really appreciate giving up your time um only one thing left to say, really, to all the United fans out there is uh, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And here's to a, a much better 2022 for United. So cheers, Merry Christmas and up the blues. Merry Christmas and up the blues. Merry Christmas and up the blues.